This is your weekly rundown 55. Let's get it. Welcome back, y'all. This is Tyler. Uh, weekly rundown 55. And I got Dan with me. Bass is unfortunately out tonight. He's a little bit sick. Uh, so that's unfortunate. Hopefully he gets better really soon. We're missing him over here at the DJ's headquarters. So, <laughs> But uh, on today's episode, we actually got Undead Unluck, episode 19. Ruin episode 23, Mashal season 2 episode 6, One Piece episode 1094. And this is where we usually say the best way to support us is to rate the podcast. Uh, every rating helps. It helps people, you know, uh, click on our name and play our stuff. Uh, also, tell your friends. Tell all your anime friends. We know you got them. Let them know. Put them on the Peak, uh, peak uh, DGEN's podcast. Uh, whether they like to run down or DJ episodes, it doesn't matter. Put them onto it. And if you have any topics or questions or anything like that about any of the four shows that we're covering on the rundown or any topics that you'd like for us to do on the DJ episodes, uh, hit us up on linktree.com slash anime DJs, go to our discord or any of our socials. And with all that being said, now it's time for your weekly rundown. And Dan's going to get the start of Undead Unluck. Awesome. Let's get it going. So next, first, we have Undead Unlock episode 19. Undead plus unlock. But the plus is silent. (laughs) (laughs) We got some Hunter Hunter action going on here. Yeah. So the race is on as union members try to read to you from me and also try their hand at being a mangaka in order to get ahead on the under. What an interesting premise for an episode, dude. Yeah. So we start this episode off talking about Fuko's literal Bible. To you from me by the mangaka Ano-Un. Ano-Un basically means uh, um, okay in Japanese. So that's a pretty wild name selection right there. Yeah, I thought that was pretty fun, uh, funny. <laughs> uh, when they said Ano-Un, uh, that's just... Like, we hear it all the time in anime, and I guess uh, a lot of people don't really put it together, but Ano means, like, um, you know, and uh, Un means okay, you know, got it, something like that. But the English name was, like, unknown, which was kind of weird, but I guess they was trying to make it where they didn't know the author, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's very fitting because the author is most likely under a pen name and she's never actually met anybody at the studio uh, who actually makes the manga that she writes. So I thought that was kind of an interesting name for. Yeah. Or him. Oh, it's. it's, But it's a her. (laughs) We didn't know at the time. (laughs) Yeah. Spoilers. Even though if you've seen the show, you know what's happening. Definitely. But uh, I thought this was really cool. So basically, Fuko's favorite manga, To You From Me, or as Tyler likes to call it, the ripoff of Kim, was it 
Kimi Kimi needs Doki. Kimi needs, yeah, there you go. I don't remember the name of it. From, from you to me. But or from uh, me to you, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> you got me all confused over here, Dan. <laughs> so basically, uh, Juiz is under the impression that this story was actually written with an ancient artifact, similar to all the cool ones we've seen in this show, like the Nimbus Cloud and the bow, the bow staff and everything else. And she says that this artifact is able to write down and basically tell the future. And with this, you know, Juiz mentions that in volume 20, there's like a soccer arc. And it's like the alien soccer armada attacks the yeah. school or something like that. And it was a dead off ripoff of the alien invasion that took five minutes for Juiz to use just her unjustice ability on the aliens. And blow them all up, but the striker in this and or in this manga uses like justice kick or something, which like <laughs> would be so stupid. <laughs> it's like some blue log shit over there. <laughs> but when you're telling the story of the union through this manga taking place in a high school, like that's kind of awesome, you know? Yeah, I was kind of wondering like how they was gonna do this, like how to make it like translate over and. It's kind of cool seeing how they actually did it. Uh, it's because I'm like, how are they gonna get a romance, like a romance slash slice of life story to tell the future of the world? You know, so definitely. And uh, she's again, she's pretty sure that the artifact G Liner wrote this story, and she wants them to find the raw manuscript. And. You know, Andy's idea here is all they have to do is whip up a killer manga and bring it to the studio. And from there, they'll get the end. They'll get connected with this uh, this writer and they'll be able to take a look at the raw manuscripts. So, yeah. And I want to say something here. Like, so at this time, why did you think they had to create a manga? Because I was kind of confused. I thought at first I thought that they had to create a manga to... Um, change the future type deal. Did you think that or no? No, I thought they were just trying to look for a way in the building. I mean, this was option B, in my opinion. I would have loved like an Ocean's Eleven like heist scene where you had like all the negators working together on some like crazy heist. Because I yeah. love a good heist movie. That's just, that's a guilty pleasure of mine. I mean, I feel like that would have been like right up the this show's alley but i think they really wanted to showcase like the manga like some manga shit you know and just break the fourth wall yeah. writing the manga that they live <laughs> <laughs> i love it not gonna lie i thought it was a very funny premise definitely yeah. and it like it was so lighthearted, and it just like kind of getting like i mean it was a comical look at what like a manga studio looks like but holy shit were they slamming energy drinks and they all have these <laughs> backpacks with like six arms they could control with the brain waves and like they're just all cranking out this manga and the speed they were working out was pretty nuts yeah they got they got the whole undead unlug manga or whatever um finishing like a day i think it was so it was pretty pretty crazy yeah but so Fuko's idea is to create a shoujo manga about her and undead. And it's called Undead plus Unluck. 
But the plus is silent. So I guess when, you know, the writer decided to actually write this, it's like, I don't need a plus. I know that unlock works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any of these kids going undead plus unlock. Hunter x Hunter gets enough of that. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, when I first saw Hunter Hunter, I, I'm not going to lie. I did say to X uh, a few times before I realized, oh, wait, I'm just stupid. So <laughs> I picked a terrible time to drink some water right there. <laughs> but yeah, some other cool things from this like little anime, like it was kind of like a family guy montage where they just do a bunch of stuff really fast, you know? And they mentioned the God of Manga, Tezuka, which was cool to see. And then Star Wars, too, which, like, that's just kind of cool to think of. Like, you normally don't hear about, like, actual real-life stuff in an anime like that. So that was kind of cool to see. Yeah, they did the, uh, they didn't actually mention Star Wars, I don't think. But they actually did, like, the scrolling credit. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. I paused that to read it the first time. I was like, what wait. What because I don't know. <laughs> I literally, stop. literally exactly what happened this episode. Oh, so it was like a summary of what yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Okay. I have no idea why they included it. But like, I was looking on my phone and then I looked up and I'm like, what the fuck? Are, am I, did I start watching Star Wars? Like, what's going on here? And I had to like triple check Hulu to make sure I was actually walking <laughs> on Dead Unluck. Yeah, uh, when it when it popped up, I was like, "Wow, this is really cool!" But I'm not reading all that. So. <laughs> like that classic One Piece uh, meme where you've got um, fuck, what's his name? Luffy's brother, not uh, Ace. Sabo. 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 He's like when he's a kid, just closes the book and he just says, "I'm not reading all that shit." <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that. But... <laughs> oh, it's a classic, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but back to Undead Unlock. So they write this manga and they think that there's potentially other arcs of, uh, wow, to you from me that didn't make the cut. So when they go to, was it Shuisha? Is that where they went? Yeah, Shuisha. Okay, so they go to a really, really famous, really, really famous publishing company to show her the manga Undead Unlock. And she's like, this is pretty good. We'll enter it in our contest. You know, she reads through it. And one of the really funny things she did is she asked Fuko how long it took to write. She's <laughs> like, oh, my God, I can't say a day. I can't say a day. And she goes, a week. And like the lady was like, how did you write this in a week? <laughs> I like I like how they did the little uh, disclaimer too, like uh, um, praising mangakas or whatever for and apologizing for saying a week or whatever. I, I, felt, <laughs> I thought that was funny as hell. Definitely, dude. <laughs> um, but after they, she reads it and her, it's going to get entered in this contest, um, she basically calls or asks the woman who works with Shueisha, hey, can I see the raw manuscript for... I keep wanting to say for me to you now, but to <laughs> you from me. And one of the things that I didn't think about until they mentioned it was during the language unification, this would have changed to English if it wasn't written by an artifact because it didn't affect the negators and it doesn't affect artifacts. So when she sees the manuscript and it's still in Japanese, it just puts their theory to rest. You know, this was written with G-Liner and now they really need to meet with the um, mangaka to kind of get the deal on what those missing arcs were and stuff. 
So yeah, there were smart, three smart move by Juiz, by the way. Very smart definitely. move. So. Definitely. And it turns out three arcs weren't published. The Kohei's betrayal arc, which we can look at, and that's Billy's betrayal. The Four Kings of the Four Seasons arc, which lo and behold is the four challenges they have from Apocalypse right now are to defeat summer, spring, winter, and autumn. Yeah. So like if they can read that up front and get that information, they have a huge advantage on who to go for, how to beat them, and everything like that. And then the last one is Ando's past arc, which my translating skills aren't the best here, but I'm going to assume <laughs> we're going to learn a little bit about Andy's past. And that 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 has me pretty excited, not going to lie, uh, because if we're seeing about Victor's past, I mean, Andy's past, that means we're going to get to see Vic Thor, right? Yeah. Figure out what the hell is going on with him. So, yeah, I'm pretty that'll excited. Be, that'll be super fun, you know? He, yeah. He's such a mysterious character, and he's honestly, like one of my favorite in this just because he's so fucking strong yeah like, I, I have a feeling like we're gonna it's gonna be like a lot of battles in his past arc i think so yeah i mean it'd be cool to see him and juiz like working together and stuff in the past so that'd be kind of exciting yeah working together <laughs> working together hey they sound like they're friends man i don't know it sounded like more than friends honestly ah, at some points battle That'll that'll get under Foucault's skin. <laughs> but so after all this, um, Juiz wants to find the Mangaka to figure out what happened in those arcs. And I have a question for you. Do you think the under knows what's going on with this as well? Or do you think Andy and Foucault and the the union are kind of a step ahead of them right now? Was I I think I kind of think that under don't really know about it. Because I think Julius said that she didn't really tell anybody, right? Um, until now. So nobody really knows about the uh the prophecy book or whatever, I would assume, unless Billy uh, Billy is just uh, a shojo weave and doesn't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, or that or maybe he has more knowledge about, you know, stuff like that to begin with. If he knows about it, then they're probably going to try to go after it, too. It, it would make sense for them to meet, the, to collide with each other at this, like, point. But I just don't know how Billy and them would know about it. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that until we get to the very end. So, Foucault is actually able to get Ana Un on the phone and talk to her. And they set up a meeting in Canada to basically discuss what goes on in those arcs that weren't published. And they set up this meeting as at some bench in Canada. Do they say where in Canada or did they literally just go Canada? Uh, I, I think uh, they said some kind of park in Canada, but um, okay. I don't remember. You, you figure they would say the province, you know? That's like saying, yeah. I want to meet you at this bench in the United States. <laughs> Send some picture of a bench. <laughs> well, like I said, I'm pretty sure they said some kind of park. So just think like uh meet you at this bench at yellowstone national park or something yeah. like that you know what i mean like i uh, mean it didn't really look like it. it didn't look like a yellowstone it looked more like a uh like a park you found in toronto or something like that so <laughs> well what what actually surprised me more was uh ano un's uh apartment or 
uh, closet or whatever the hell she was living in. <laughs> you see that shit? Yeah. It's, it looked like uh, it looked like one of those uh, crime, like crime stopper shit with papers and dots everywhere. I so. mean, maybe she's trying to kill God too in her own way, you know. And she's trying to get people who are negators to basically find her. Like maybe that was her goal the whole time. What could she possibly be, G Liner? Or is that an actual, or is she actually using an artifact? So she's using an artifact. So she's using a pen and how I think it would work, right? Is she's basically seeing these premonitions of the future or visions of the past. And then she's adapting it into a story that makes sense to tell to 13 year old girls. That's just, uh, that's just so, it doesn't make sense. That's weird. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well i think people would have got down to it and understood what's going on a lot sooner if it was like imagine she was just drawing the union you know not like trying to change it up a little bit yeah they probably would have figured that out a lot sooner okay um one more thing before we end uh this one i did you did you uh do you remember what they said at the very end uh like when they had the letters coming up as they was leaving yeah, so this was c- really crazy. So, like, they're leaving Shuisha HQ, and uh, just the words show up on the screen, memory of Foucault inside of Shuisha HQ erased. 5 o'clock, or 1700. So, like, my jaw kind of hit the ground in this. I was like, holy shit, is there another outside force, like, manipulating this? Or is it Ano Un who can rewrite the future? Yeah. Because, like, I know the union has the ability to like erase memories and stuff, but why would they do that to Fuko? Uh, Unless Billy took that artifact. The, the, this was so confusing to me because this come out of nowhere and this is like a massive cliffhanger because I guess they're saying that they're erasing Fuko's memory, right? Uh, yeah. Everything that happened inside of Shueisha headquarters. Um, which I don't know if it's for her own benefit because that's her Bible or whatever. And now she's going to find out like the, that, that it's not fully um, like written or whatever. Or if it's just like if they're going to meet her in Canada, like what's the she she's going to have to know what happened in the headquarters. Right. Like, I don't I don't get it. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. That's why I'm yeah. kind of like so perplexed by this. I'm like, I don't know what's going on right now. So I'm really excited to see next week's episode. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to that. I guess if that's all we got, we'll move on to the next one. Let's do it. All right. We got Ferrin episode 23, Conquering the Labyrinth. Um, the second test has finally arrived. 18 people enter. How many will reach the bottom of the dungeon? Will Sensei's test prove too difficult for the fifth time? Because this is her fifth uh, test, and no one's ever passed before. And basically, this episode starts with Sense explaining to the 18 participants what the next test will consist of. Uh, it seems like it's going to be a simple, unexplored dungeon raid. Um, basically, to pass, all you have to do is get to the bottom floor. Um, and I was honestly expecting something... A little bit harder. What about you? Yeah, I definitely think this sounded like an 
way easier than yeah. it should be. So you just knew that Sense had some tricks up her sleeve. Like, what's at the bottom? I don't know. Maybe it's a demon. Maybe it's, like, <laughs> some pharaoh. Whatever, you know? Like, it's some magical monster. But, like, yeah. Like, they made this seem like it was a really easy test. But we'll get into that later. Yeah, I just don't guess we have enough experience to know what dungeons are actually like what they're actually comprised of, I guess, in this world. So, yeah, I um, mean, this was this was a an episode straight out of like your favorite JRPG or RPG game. Like, oh, we're going to get to the bottom of this dungeon. We're going to raid it. We're going to get all the goodies. We're going to get out of there. But like the amount of times I've done this in like a Final Fantasy game or something like that. And I don't realize I'm going into a dungeon with like a level 50 boss at the <laughs> bottom and I'm like level 20 and you get down and you're like, fuck, I'm dead. So like <laughs> I've lived this too many times to think there's no tricks up this lady's sleeve. <laughs> and uh, one thing I want to mention is when she said that she was a pacifist and that she disliked fighting, I was honestly thinking that they was going to make them do like get to the bottom of this dungeon specifically without fighting or combat. Which would have been way more challenging, right? Uh, but I guess she's not that sick. So she's just like, y'all just get there any way you can. I don't care. Yeah. Um, but then Dinkin brings up uh, that they should all group up and work together to make it to the bottom. But some of the other ones disagree, saying that they aren't forced to help each other now. Uh, this... Uh, this time they can do what they want and people can essentially use others as like pawns or even stab other people in the back if they do team up. Um, so that gets me thinking like, which, which side do you agree with? Which, what would you want to do in this situation? I, I'm not that trusting. So I think I would go with my, my crew and do my own thing you know like i understand where Duncan's coming from and if this was like a guild raid and like they were all on the same team hell yeah that's the way to do it but like this is the magic first first, first level class. first class yeah. mage like acceptance test like and i've seen how some of these people act <laughs> i mean i'm not teaming up with you bell i'm gonna get stabbed in the back <laughs> you know like i i had trust in that lady not one bit you know yeah I, I feel like that's that's what I would do as well. I mean, I see what Dinkin's saying. He he's got he's got a point. Like you know, uh, strength in numbers, especially this type of thing, unexplored dungeon. Uh, but at what point do you get backstabbed uh, by shady people? So, um, but we move on to since uh, she decides to tag along with someone and she picks fear and a fern because she thinks that they will have the safest route and she's not going to assist or anything. She makes that clear. Just follow along. And before all this happened, I was kind of wondering how she's going to get down to the bottom. Um, and did this surprise you? Because it definitely surprised me. What that she paired teamed up with, well, that she's well, going that to follow fern and free but that she that she decided to follow someone down instead of going like having another method or or going her by herself, you know, she decided to just follow someone down, right? Yeah. So I guess my thinking of that, right, is she's the proctor of this exam, and what I would do in that situation, I was I would choose the you know obviously the safest route, 
but I would want to keep a close eye on Freerun. You know, like she's kind of too strong to be there. <laughs> and also Fern too. I mean, Fern is a prodigy in her own right. I mean, she can go toe to toe with any of these mages in this first class uh, test, and she just uses basic spells. So like, they would definitely have me curious. So that's the group I would go with. Yeah, uh, it it just surprised me uh, to see her. I guess because I mean, what if you didn't pick Fern and them, and you pick someone that obviously. Uh, didn't make it, I guess, or was struggling to overcome the challenges, even well, though you thought that they was going to be okay, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, in that sense, you have those giants in the jars that they yeah. have, their safety, uh, their escape rope, I guess you can call it, you know? It reminds me of the escape rope from Pokemon. <laughs> and at that point, nobody should die. Like, if you're smart enough to get out when you need to get out, like, nobody should die in this test. But again, I would, I would, I would line up with the the top tier squad. Yeah, I, I feel that. And uh, I thought it was really funny uh, after everyone had already went in. Uh, Dinkin and Dinkin and I think he had like four other people, and he was the last to go in. And he basically called Furin out uh, without meaning to. He said that no one stupid enough to fall for mimics should be taking this test. And then it instantly cut to the the scene where Furin gets stuck in a mimic. <laughs> I would have I paid good money to see, to let Dinkin catch her get stuck in a mimic. <laughs> oh, dude, I was laughing at that scene so hard, too, because they used the spell to convert confirm if it was a mimic, and it was like 99% mimic. <laughs> and Freerun goes off in this long-winded speech about how magic will never progress if we don't, like, go for that 1% chance. <laughs> And she's like, there's a super rare grimoire in this chest. I can tell. That's what's putting off this magic energy. And then she proceeds to get chomped. Not once. I think this happened several times, uh, by the way it looks. So. Oh, yeah. No, this isn't her first Mimic Rodeo. <laughs> this is the first time we've seen her say this bullshit. <laughs> I, I, my favorite part of this uh, episode was when she was like hollering while she was in it, like, it's so dark. It's scary. The voice actor for Furin, like, she knocked it out of the park and that, oh, in those scenes. So, um, but yeah, uh, that was really uh, the funniest part to me. I, I would have paid, like I said, I would have paid good money to see Dinkin walk up and just see Furin inside of a mimic. That would have made my day. It would have made my year. So, uh, <laughs> it missed, it's a missed opportunity, y'all. Uh, but, uh, right after that, uh, just a few minutes in, Dinkin's group gets hit by gargoyles, and one of them has to actually use their golem to escape with their lives. So, we thought this sounded like a simple mission uh, to get to the bottom, but within just a few minutes, I guess our my opinion on it changed. I was like, damn, this, this is actually kind of challenging, I guess. Uh, what about you? Did you think the same? I wasn't surprised, dude. What kind of dungeon raid wouldn't have booby traps in it? You know, like that's like the best part of a dungeon raid is like accidentally walking into a room where you're going to get crushed, like straight out of Indiana Jones, you know, like get crushed by two things of uh, spike walls coming in at you, you know? Yeah. And another thing, like, um, uh, 
Do you remember when Furin was walking down the path and she's like, oh, this is the main path. Let's turn around. Do you think she did that because the main path is like usually littered with more traps or do you think she just wanted to explore more? I think it's a combination of both. I mean, like I'm the guy when I play a game, right? Where if I'm in a dungeon, I'm hitting every single room. (laughs) I'm lighting up every single room on that Zelda map. You know, I'm hitting everything. I'm getting all the goodies. And you're like him. That's yeah, that's the best part of like this kind of like scenario is like, oh, we're down here. We might as well see everything. But that and, you know, usually the main path down is the most dangerous. So I can get both sides of that. Yeah, I I was kind of curious about that uh, because I thought maybe it was more the part. She just wanted to explore everything, but it seems like she's making her way down, just not the main path, I guess. So, um, but then we, they take a little break while Freeran is like, uh, drooling over all her pre- precious treasures that she's found along the way. I have no idea how she's carrying all this shit, but she's got a pile. That magic and, briefcase, dude. Uh, I guess. Uh, I didn't know she had it with her. <laughs> I but. don't think she does, but <laughs> I'm sure she's got a pocket spell, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure she's got some. Um, and we get like a little moment with Sense and Fern talking. And Sense was like, uh, Fern, I think Fern said something along the lines, I don't understand Furin, or she's strange or something like that. And Sense was like, I, you're actually the one I don't understand because you, I've never seen a mage as skilled as you at your age. And she also goes on to say that she senses no determination or passion from her, which is kind of like, that's what you get from Freeran, I guess. You learn how to kind of be like her emotionless and stuff. But that that gets me thinking, like, I don't think we've ever truly known how strong Fern is, but to hear a first-class mage that's been hosting this first-class mage test for a while say, to, say that, like that has to mean she's pretty strong, you would think, right? Yeah, definitely. And Fern kind of went into it too about how her one goal was to become a successful mage for somebody. And we obviously know that was Heiter, yeah, who raised her and everything else. So like she's already like completed her life's ambition and she just hasn't found that loftier goal yet, you know? Yeah, I think she also mentioned that it's kind of switched over for the meantime that she just wants to see Freeran smile, which makes her smile, which is really touching, I think. Um, so, and as they're walking on, uh, trying to go down even further, Vince actually says that she's sure that Freeran and Fern could enjoy this brutal dungeon. And at this point, like I hadn't really thought, thought about it too much, but wouldn't you say like everyone else is just trying to make it down to the bottom and Furin and Fern's over here just having fun while they're going to the bottom? I think that's too different. Like um, that just tells you that just puts you uh, gives a different perspective on how strong Furin actually is. They just, they don't care. They're just having fun while trying to do their thing, you know? Yeah, definitely. Everybody else is just trying to live and they're I just out know. here just having fun. You got two types of players. You got speedrunners, <laughs> and you got the I want one hundred percent this shit. And Freeran and Fern are trying to one hundred percent this dungeon <laughs> without even trying. So. Yeah, I mean, it's more fun that way, in my opinion. Yeah. 
Um, but and then there's something else happened right after this. Uh, so they actually showed an empty room with a door. I don't know if you recall this or not, but an empty door for uh, empty room with a door. And then it turned into a black screen and then like a diamond shaped uh, symbol lit up on the screen. And then it just went away from it. Uh, went to, I think, uh, Warble or Dinkin or whatever. It didn't make sense. Uh, what would you take out of that? Well, so, you know, I was like thinking something along the lines of like, oh, maybe something in the dungeon is waking up. And then like oh. right after that scene, we saw, we saw the clones. We saw the clones, yeah. So, um, Warble's group gets attacked, and we see like a binding spell on one of his teammates. And at the time, I thought Ubel was coming down <laughs> the box. Like, she's really good too. at picking up spells quickly. So, I thought she was coming down to throw some hands or magic spells, I guess, because nobody throws hands with Duncan in this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really did too. Because uh, we've seen that she knows how to use that as well. And I was like, who else knows how to use that? It's Ubel. Ubel's over here trying to kill people already. <laughs> yeah, so. but, but after that, we see clones of the three people on Warbell's team. And I'm like, oh shit, we're getting a little like 1v1 boxing right here. And I thought, everyone was gonna fight themselves but war bell was really smart here where he basically took people's skills and put them against people who were better suited to fight each other so i thought that was really smart yeah all i could think about during this moment was uh the naruto scene uh where guy sensei's team was fighting themselves and they couldn't win against each other do you remember that like is that is that like in the shipping like the war arc i think I'm pretty sure when they was uh they was uh um I think it was somewhere sometime around when uh uh Octo whatever his name is, I forget his name. Yeah, I don't remember the scene. Yeah. It's been so long since I've well, watched like this, ship this it shit in. was funny, bro. This is all I could think about. <laughs> but um the next thing that happens is we get all these attack clones attacking each other. Uh, Dinkin and um, Dinkin and his friends actually got clones of themselves attacking themselves as well. But then they like get done with like all them clones, and they go through another door, and there is a clone of Furin just standing there or is floating there. And I I was wondering at the time like why is Furin's clone meeting Dinkin's group. If if the way it's been going, Furin's clone should be meeting Furin and company. Is it maybe because she didn't go down the main path? That's kind of what I was thinking is that like these clones, these I don't know, they're made out of clay it looks like. Like these clay clones are just staggered in progression of how difficult they were are. And the fact that you're seeing Furin by herself in this room makes me think that like okay she's not the big boss but she's up there but then it makes me think too is like where's fern in this scenario so are we gonna see free runs group run into shadow clone fern like that would be really interesting to see fern fight herself yeah and everyone would make her fight herself (laughs) 100 percent. you're like nah you're taking this one yeah and uh it's also good to mention that um I think it's Werble and maybe even Dinkin. They both, uh, I think they both made remarks about 
uh, a monster or a demon was the one that was creating and controlling these clones that looked exactly like the um, person that they're cloning. And they also had uh, the access to skills and abilities and their mana pool just like the real person did. So this is kind of this is kind of like a high level you know demon creating these clones which is uh maybe that's who Fern runs into, you know. It could be though, but also so you know how um oh, what's her name? Who's the really old elf? What's her name? Uh yeah, uh Siri? Siri. Yeah. Sarah. Yeah, Siri. So so you know how they mentioned that she can grant any mage whatever spell they want? Yeah. And when they become a first-class mage, they get the opportunity to do that. So I'm thinking this is actually Sense's ability that she had bestowed upon her after becoming a first-class mage. So I think Sense is actually making these clay monsters. Yeah, I kind of had a feeling uh, that it could be her part of her test as well because how does a random... Uh, like dungeon high level demon know all the participants that entered and exactly everything about them so well that's exactly uh, that and then too like if you knew there was like a demon general at the bottom of this tomb like why wouldn't you go take it out like that's what yeah. the mages are supposed to do so like that would just be kind of lazy on the people of Alberst, you know to not go take care of this immense threat yeah, so it's definitely going to be interesting. I feel like uh, next episode is going to go hard, especially with Deacon uh, walking in to uh, clone Freeran. So, it's <laughs> R.I.P. my man. He, yeah, I'm putting he my money on. Fighter Wars. Now he's got to fight her a second time. So I'm put. I'm putting my money on Clayren. <laughs> Clay. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I guess that's all we got for Freeran. Uh, I'm excited for next week. So. Definitely. Awesome. So if you're into Mashal season two, episode six, Mash and You Look, You Lose Your Life. What a title. Yep. So it turns out this very short battle royale test we saw, it's over. That was quick. <laughs> and right before the final test, Mash gets offered a deal that he can't refuse. Will he win the game? You lost the game, by the way. Fuck. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played the game in a long time, dude. <laughs> so the episode starts off with Macaron dealing with two members of a team by himself. And he just fucking shit on him, dude. Like he absolutely <laughs> bodied these kids. And they were from the same team as uh, old uh, fancy wand boy from the last episode that mash beat up so their team was disqualified and the event was over so mash's crew macaroon's crew and the other crew who weren't wearing red all passed the test and i was really surprised like this like i didn't recall them saying once one team is out it's over i didn't so, either yeah so. i was like wait that's it like, I thought this was going to be like a four episode kind of like mini arc. And it's like, no, one episode, we're done. I was I was actually like excited for this. Like, it was like a battle royale. I'm like, we're going to get some boxing in this. Like, it's going to be cool. And yeah, I mean, we got one pretty good episode of like straight up like mash with tennis balls and shit. But 
um yeah they said it's over and i'm like what excuse me (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and after this we just get mash having like the most random monologue i've ever seen (laughs) and this shit had me cracking up (laughs) and basically the reason mash pumps iron is because there's a dumbbell there (laughs) humans have arms to hold dumbbells humans have legs so they can deadlift and he says humans have heads and then it, it just cuts off i was like what the fuck <laughs> i I've, I've been thinking i thought for an hour at least it was on my mind for an hour after this episode what does humans have heads for in mash's logic head butting uh it doesn't have any weights on that i'm sorry uh true <laughs> i don't know like i guess you could work out your neck muscles but yeah, maybe like uh uh like the um what's that thing you put in your mouth and you like just bite it over and over, right? I don't know what it's called, but or yeah, like I don't the even jaws know or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, 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 to get that that tight <laughs> jawline. <laughs> maybe he does some of that, so <laughs> he puts what looks like a ball gag in his mouth. <laughs> But I just gotta say, I really vibe with Mash's logic here. You know, it's simple. He's a simpleton. It makes sense for him. Yeah, he's a, he's he's what all the uh, gym goers get bad rep for is his logic. I pick things up. I put them down. <laughs> That's all I need to know. It's time <laughs> for my protein shake. So. Uh. And then after that, the overseer of the test, the head of the magic talent division, who's one of the divine visionaries, comes to see Mash. And he offers to play a game with him. And he says, if you can beat me, I'll instantly pass you on this next piece of the exam. No questions asked. And the game they played was you look, you lose. And as soon like as they announced this, did you think this would be like a game that Mash would lose at? Like he's Uh kind of simple. So I thought he would look right away. 100% because you could easily like trick him into doing it right uh, I didn't expect for what happened to happen but you could definitely in a, a normal situation game of you look you lose you could definitely trick him by saying you know look over here there's cream puffs or some shit and I guarantee the man would look oh yeah I mean if you could <laughs> magically make cream puffs it's a wrap <laughs> but so not only was the game you look you lose he also added a he cut a circle in the floor that mash had to stand inside of and then instead of like just pointing around he points and then just starts unleashing spells left and right to try and make mash look one direction and mash has some resolve my man like him dodging these attacks and not looking the entire time was impressive yeah, uh, there was one time they messed up. Uh, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but when he couldn't look any way but down, he he actually like he bends over backwards or whatever, and he actually faces up. So I don't know how he didn't lose at that point, but they didn't so call it out. So they showed his head at a really weird angle where he was still like looking semi down. So like I think he when he went backwards, he actually like turned his head down and looked at the ground. Yeah, well, I, I, mean, I seen I that one, that. but I, I I don't know. It, it was it was weird. Uh, Maybe he closed his eyes. I don't know. <laughs> Can you do that? Could you win that game by closing your eyes? That would be awesome. Yeah, I mean that's that's cheating, right? 
<laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh. <laughs> but so the last attack he uses, like he throws it all at Mash, and Mash actually to dodge rips the stone circle that he's standing in out of the ground and does some crazy shit to dodge this attack and lands. And then he looks in the wrong direction for some... I can't remember the reason why. You? Uh, yeah, so um, after it was all said and done, a random little owl... <laughs> yeah, still his green puff. <laughs> yeah, just goes in and lands on him and gets in his pocket and then gets a cream puff and then flies off. And Mash looks at it, and which he loses the game at this point. So, yeah, but, but then, uh, yeah, then uh, the divine visionary who was overseeing this basically says, "Like, hey, that wasn't part of the game. We'll call it a draw." Yeah, and after that, you know, he says that a draw isn't going to be enough to beat Marguerite at this time. So, you know, he's got a pretty big fight coming up. Um, yeah, I was kind of hoping Mash would kind of beat him at this time because then we could have, uh, but that would have kind of skipped the whole plot, you know. And we want to see Macaroon or Macaroni, whatever his name is, <laughs> bot Mash, and that's what we want to see. That's what we all want to see, definitely. And the only reason that it was a draw is because Mash's willpower to. He was going to block a sword with his fucking forehead. So I guess that's what your head is for. <laughs> True. <laughs> and the overseer basically saw this and backed off, which is like just Mash's willpower surprised him. <laughs> you know, you know, them little karate things where they hold up like the, uh, the, the pieces boards. of wood. Yeah. yeah you smash your head with your head. That's what Mash is doing. 100%. Exactly. Exactly. And then after all of this, you know, the overseer asked Mash what is so important that he had to become a divine visionary at the cost of his own life. And this guy is fully in the loop here. So this statement made no sense to me. Like, Mash is going to get executed if he doesn't become the divine visionary. So, like, you know that, bro. Like, why are you bringing this up? (laughs) And not only is he going to get, like, executed, I'm pretty sure that his dad or whatever was going to get executed as well right for harboring i believe yeah his dad and yeah all his friends are going to get in trouble too so so yeah it didn't make any sense i'm like what do you mean like he has to literally do whatever it takes or he's gonna die anyways yeah no ridiculous (laughs) yeah it just didn't make sense to me i don't know if that was just like a just a error on their part or if it was just like the dude's dumb or something, and he just don't know what's going on. I'm not nah, sure. No, he definitely does. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of weird, you know. I would have liked Mash to say something badass there, though. <laughs> but after all that, we're getting to the good shit, and unfortunately, the good shit's not coming until the next episode. Unfortunately. So the final test is going to be a series of 1v1s, and thankfully, the first one up is Mash versus Mr. Macaroon. Macaroni here is Tyler likes yeah. to call him. <laughs> and they each do one attack. And both attacks are negated by each other. But it looks like Marguerite might have some promise, you know. How long do you think he's going to last against Mash? 
Well, uh, I thought maybe Mash would come in and like just do his work on him, you know, like he usually does. But it seems like he's got a little bit of promise. So, um, and uh, old fancy wand boy with the angel behind him lasted pretty long with Mash. So, and I think I think Margaret has some tricks up his sleeves that we don't know about yet. Um, so honestly, I think he's gonna give him a run for his money and like. Like I've been saying since season one, I've been waiting for like a legit fight to happen other than Abyss Razor. Um, for Mash and for Mash to like have that kind of challenge on. So Yeah, definitely. And I think with Marguerite too, I mean, like, they basically said that if he was in this last year, he would be a divine visionary. Like he is on par with them. And he might have been able to defeat Rain Ames. So like Mash is in for a pretty tough brawl here, but I got to give Marguerite Macaroon some credit. He survived a fucking suplex from the sky. Yeah. Like, this was straight out of Pokemon. This is uh, Seismic Toss. Like, Charizard going up in the air, spinning in a circle, and just bringing him down on the ground, dude. Like, I still don't know how he... Uh, managed to do that. I'm I'm sure it had something to do with like uh vibrations, like uh or something like that. Because I'm sure you could use that to, uh, like either blow an impact around, like blow a hole out, or like lessen the impact or something, right? Yeah, some sort of defense yeah. defense inspired spell, or maybe he's just fucking ripped and we don't know it. Could be uh, if we if we see Macaroon just like drop his robes and he's just swole as fuck. I would be so hyped. <laughs> and one thing I want to mention is that uh, Margaret actually done like it fired a simple spell at Mash. I'm pretty sure they said or something like that. And it wasn't a very advanced one. And Mash couldn't handle it. He actually had to like uh, run backwards or whatever to get out of its path because he couldn't stop it um like he could everything else that he's ever come up against so that shows you that he just ain't bulletproof like that right now so definitely but yeah i'm really excited for this next episode i'm excited to see these two duke it out yeah same here i'm hoping for a really good fight so definitely hopefully it lasts longer than one episode that'd be nice yeah yeah i i i think it could especially what they'll probably try to do, they'll probably try to like um put up a little side plot or something going on as well, unfortunately. Yeah. But, awesome. You wanna get into One Piece? Yeah, let's do it. One Piece, episode ten ninety four, the mystery deepens, egghead labo phase. And on this episode we get to check in on Luffy for a little bit before we get to see what's up with the rest of the straw hats. Will they run into each other or will they run into more trouble? Um Basically, not a lot happened during this episode, but we're still going to talk about some of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I called it last week. Uh, I forget. Was you here last week, Dan? On the rundown? I forget. Was it just me mm, and Bass? I think it was just you and Bass. Well, last week, either way, I, I said that we ain't getting Law versus Blackbeard for two weeks in a row. I was like, there ain't no way they're doing that. They're going to do some other bullshit. And here we go. We don't get Law and Blackbeard anymore this uh, this episode. Um, I guess this next episode. Uh, but we started off with Luffy and the gang running from Kuma still. 
talking about him being Bonnie's dad, um, which we've done for the past several episodes before Law and Blackbeard fighting. Uh, at this point, like, would you just keep trying to save Bonnie like Luffy and them does is doing? Yeah, I mean, you can't let her just get bodied like, you know, a pacifista because she can't fight her father. You know, that's not right. But at the same time, like, she's got to understand that these are just clones and she needs to stop getting in the way, you know? I mean, she she has to learn, right? Like, the yeah. one way to learn is let her get hit by it one time. True. <laughs> but know? this, like, so one thing with Bonnie's fruit ability, like, nobody knows how old she actually is. Yeah. And, like, the way she's acting right now, it's very childish. So it makes me wonder if Bonnie's actually a lot younger than she looks. Yeah, well, they also demonstrated in this episode that her powers, uh, they run out after a set time, right? Yeah. So if that's the case, then you could assume that she, her normal state is that of a uh, uh, young adult, correct? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, like, she can use it on herself longer. But, like, that was, like, an adverse effect. Like, I don't think she meant to do that. Like, I think she just got scared and used her power and turned Luffy and Chopper into granddads <laughs> and Jinbei into a spry young buck, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, they were saying that they was going to resort to violence um, against him. Uh, so, I guess she just, like, panicked and was trying to save her dad, even though it's not a dad. Uh, but, but yeah, uh, they didn't hurt Kuma though, because Kuma just ended up not recognizing them anymore. Uh, Luffy and Chopper old Jinbei, a little teenager again. So I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed, uh, Jinbei a lot. So, yeah, teenager Jimbei was really funny, but we gotta put some <laughs> we gotta put some respect on Kuma's name here. That's a pacifista. That's not Kuma. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, we we all know that except for Bonnie. Bonnie doesn't know that. So, um, and then I think they change back. Um, somewhere along these lines, uh, they you know they walk away, they change back, and then Bonnie's just going through like a trash heap, and she picks up like a gadget and turns it into a lightsaber all of a sudden. And I was like, damn, we just got done watching undead unluck mention star Wars or do the little star Wars, uh, scrolling shit. Now we get a lightsaber in one piece. Dude. So, imagine if Zoro had three lightsabers, he can maybe do some work, right? I, th I think dude, imagine like <laughs> infusing hockey into a lightsaber. Uh, maybe Getting, maybe like, this is a future. glow with black or not it that'd be so tough maybe this is what uh maybe this is what uh uh vegapunk is trying to create on this island you know yeah oh no i was <laughs> i was here last rundown we just recorded it on saturday oh yeah that's right i, I went <laughs> off on my rant yeah so it feels like it feels like uh that don't feel like we just did that you know it feels no. like we skipped a week or something so uh, we're literally recording two days uh, after <laughs> two days that, later so. <laughs> uh, yeah we we got a busy schedule over here at the DJ's headquarters but uh, the uh, now we go back to the rest of Straw Hats whom we haven't really seen in the last couple of episodes and they're being taken to the main island by the Mecca by the, uh, the satellite and the Mecca and we 
kind of see the egghead is kind of big and it's got a top layer where the important stuff is called the laba phase and it's also got a bottom layer called the fabrio phase and that's where like all the factories and i guess shops and just your normal uh, citizen access would be her robot access. I don't know who's on this island. <laughs> I don't know if they're people, if they're robots, <laughs> if they're fucking illusions or not at this point, you know? Yeah. Uh, we don't know. We just know that uh, only only important people is allowed up top, I would say, by the looks of things. Um, and... Zoro and Brooke, you know, they chose to stay behind on the Sunny. And uh, do you think that they, do you think that was a good call? Or do you think that they should have went and tried to look for their captain, uh, tried to find them with the gang so they wouldn't all be separated into three groups now? Um, No, I can definitely agree. I mean, this island does not look up Zoro's, Zoro's <laughs> you know, like, avenue, you know, like he doesn't want to deal with this shit. I can't blame him for wanting to chill and watch the Sunny. And then, kind of, I don't know why Brooke stayed. Though. I thought like Brooke would want to check this out. He likes giant robots, especially once he's seen uh, the new fits. You know that's yeah, kind of Brooke's alley. That's so. true too. And I mean, I'm just surprised Brooke didn't ask to see her panties. But you can clearly see them now. <laughs> so, uh, uh, speaking of that, you know, the next thing we do, I think this is probably one of the biggest things that happens on this uh, on this episode is we actually get to see the rest of the gang get the new outfits and i guess who who in your opinion who's got the best drip right now you know it's robin <laughs> you know it's robin Rob, yeah, i mean she she got they fit her personality and her looks exactly right in my opinion definitely but, no she went really hard on that outfit you know Oda went really hard on uh yeah, that outfit. Oda had a good time with that one. <laughs> Dude, like, I just remember reading, like, the beginning of, like, the Egghead arc, and I was like, this is just Oda's chance to draw a bunch of tush. And he does, and he is. <laughs> Every time he gets a chance, uh, like, of them walking away or something, you get just, like, instead of, like, uh, like an upper body mostly, por- the, like, the portion of the upper body mostly, it's more centered on the ass. No, uh, Toei's did a good job. Toei's did a good job uh, <laughs> recreating this arc for us, for our viewing pleasure. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess. Thank you, Oda. Thank you, Oda. I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed Sanji's uh, Sanji and like Jinbei style of the like Hawaiian top shirts too I, I i feel like they're pretty fun so yeah i just think it's hilarious that they're like time to go put on your lab clothes and then they come out <laughs> half naked or in fucking hawaiian <laughs> shirts that i'm like what kind of lab is this dude when i have to put on lab clothes i'm wearing a lab coat lab coat i'm wearing a hairnet like i'm wearing gloves like everything yeah. you know the only thing i really don't like about these outfits i is the boots i i don't vibe with the boots at all it looks like hoofs I think they're kind of cool. I think they're cool. Yeah. I mean, they make funny noises and I feel like that noise (laughs) is going to get really annoying after like (laughs) seven or eight episodes. But I mean, the fact that anybody can put them on and they have that lever that makes them fit perfectly to your feet. God, I would love that, dude. Yeah. And uh, I think you was uh, you wasn't here when me and Bass actually discussed the first time like Luffy and them 
uh, got their fits. And Bass wasn't a big fan of uh, Egghead uh, of out- Egghead outfits. So, I mean, yeah, they're. I don't know. I like the Wano outfits more. I will say that, but I think the Egghead ones oh, are yeah. fun, and they fit the vibe too. I mean, we're on Future Island. Like, you should dress futuristically. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like Wano Wano outfits are probably probably close to the top for me, if not the top. Like, uh, Wano Luffy with the black cloak. Um, uh, yeah, flying in the back, like it just yeah, you know, only you can't beat that for me. So only second to Afro Luffy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, does the champ make the Afro, or does the Afro make the champ? Usopp <laughs> was so funny in that fucking scene, dude. <laughs> oh shit! Back a long time ago. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait for them to do the uh, remake or whatever. Um, because I I want to see like what they do you know with it i saw the funniest tiktok a couple couple days ago and it was basically like you know the scene in jjk where it's uh ghetto like are you the strongest because you're gojo satru or are you gojo satru because you're the strongest yeah and they were like they ripped this off of one piece and went right to that scene was does the afro make the champion or does the (laughs) champ make the afro (laughs) <laughs> so jjk is just a bad rip off of one piece at this point it's it's done hey if you like jj <laughs> what what i'm taking out of this is if you like jjk you gotta you go watch love afro luffy you'll love afro luffy <laughs> <laughs> but, let's uh, just go make him watch like the worst arc <laughs> well, go enjoy a davy back fight you fucks <laughs> uh, I, I i swear like i watched it but i swear like Probably sixty percent of One Piece watchers do not watch the Davy Back. Uh, you gotta arc. watch the Davy Back fight arc. I, though. I like, enjoyed it. You got I, that's peak Sanji and Zoro rivalry. Oh yeah, and like there's just the classic fan theory out there that One Piece is gonna end in the Davy Back fight between Shanks and Luffy's <laughs> crews or some shit like that. You know, something <laughs> stupid. Like we're gonna have all this epic fighting, and then it's just gonna get to the final island. And it's going to be a Davy back fight because they don't want to actually fight each other. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, all, all this, uh, you know, a Davy back fight, whoever wins gets, gets the, the one piece. <laughs> no, gets the hat, bro. <laughs> but yeah, um, I guess, uh, I guess uh, the next thing on this episode, getting back on track, kind of is, we actually see Vegapunk Edison. They show um, who was it? It was it was Nami and all of them. Uh, a seraphim, right? A seraphim yeah. of Jimbe. And I'm when I when I was watching this, I'm like, why do they? Why did they show them a seraphim without them even like wanting to see it? I'm like, is this a trap? Are they like trapping them? Like, yeah. what, what do you think? I wasn't necessarily thinking it was a trap. I was more just to say, just like, be like, hey, this is how strong we are at this island. So don't try no bucking bullshit, you know? Yeah. And, and do, do they even know about seraphims? They don't, do they? The only ones that know about seraphims are, uh, Kobe and, um, uh, yeah. Blackbeard and, uh, uh, Amazon Hancock. Lily, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that was the first time we saw seraphims. But looking through at Luffy's it, eyes or through 
the straw, the straw hat guys. Hat. Yeah. But I mean, we clearly have enough intel now to know that there's going to be a seraphim of every existing warlord. So that's fucking terrifying. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just kind of wondering what's going to happen um, at this moment because they have no idea what it's capable of. They don't know what it is. Um, at first, they kind of thought it was Jinbei, but they ruled that out because, you know, it's it obviously had wings so, and yeah. different skin color and fire on its back. You know, there's younger light changes. Yeah. Um. So it was kind of interesting for them to show the half of the straw hat uh, straw hats this out of the blue. Um. So and it kind of looked like that they was getting ready for a fight as well. Uh, I don't think it's gonna happen, but. You know, it might, and I don't think that they could handle it um, without Zoro or um, Luffy there. So, yeah, um, I mean, I, the Seraphims have to be under Vegapunk control, right? Yeah. If they're there, yeah. I mean, and I mean, they're mindless killing machines, so they probably can listen. I would assume. Uh, you would assume they're programmed so. for that, you know. Yeah. And the last thing that happens in this episode, and I thought it was probably the most most important thing except for like the showing you know them sarah from jinbei was that shaka which is i guess the number one um satellite shaka the good uh he was actually or they they it's a robot he was actually on the phone with dragon and and that was pretty shocking to me uh you know that a government genius or someone that represents a government genius, whatever, is on the phone with a member, the head of the revolutionary army. So, um, but yeah, he says in this conversation that geniuses can see their own future and that he knows that he will die soon, which is also a pretty big statement to make. And that just, goes on to say do we think that's true and why do we think he's talking to dragon and telling him this do you have any ideas thoughts not that i can get into without spoiling things <laughs> um bass where, where are you bass <laughs> this is a good question for you uh but yeah that was my thoughts going into it as a non-manga reader, which I obviously I've watched, uh, read this part as well. So, um, yeah, it's really yeah. tough to formulate like a bullshit answer when you know what's going <laughs> to happen. But we just I just felt like I wanted to put this out there for any of uh, any for our listeners, I guess, you know, to think about. Why do you think that's true? You know, and why do you think that he's talking to Dragon? Like, I'll even yeah. put that in like the Spotify questions. You know, hell. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely really interesting that like they have a friendship that we did not know about, and it makes you wonder why Vegapunk is working with the government at that point. You know, so it's definitely a a head scratcher for sure. Maybe that's why. Uh, what Cipher Poe whatever whatever number they're at now is coming to kill Vegapunk. So right, so Yeah. Because they if you if you don't remember, they're actually on their way to Egghead right now. Uh we we didn't really uh see it happen on the last couple episodes, but I think it was uh like three episodes ago. Yeah when they made that. So I think so. Yeah. 
but I guess that's about it for this one. Hopefully, hopefully more than one show will be pretty decent for next week. Uh, we got, everything we got, has just been chilling lately. Yeah, we so. got a good Mashal coming up. We got a good free yeah. run coming up. I think we're going to get a lot of world building and Undead Unlock and who knows with One Piece. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we get a continuation of the Blackbeard Law fight. Hopefully we can see uh, uh, Law, you know, shit on Blackbeard. Uh, you know, I'm I'm always hoping Law. I really love Law, so definitely Law's one of my favorite characters. <laughs> but yeah, well, awesome. Hope you guys enjoyed this week's weekly rundown uh, for the DJ episode. This week we're going to be taking a little mid winter recap, I guess. So we're going to talk about a bunch of the shows Tyler and I are watching that aren't on the rundown. Uh, like he said earlier, make sure to rate the podcast on your go to platform. And if you have any questions, jump in the Discord. Let us know. Linktree.com slash anime degens. And we'll catch you guys on Thursday. Peace. Later.